you're listening to the Worcester Observer Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Welcome to this week's podcast with me, Tristan Harris. Now, today, I am delighted to say I have got with me Bob Blanford, who's got a new book come out. And I must say, just reading about it, it's enthralling. It's called Worcestershire Bird. Now, we did point out that that's not an ornithological situation. It is um, obviously the slang term for prison. That's correct in science. It comes from the old convict speak for um, bird line, uh, which they used to coat the prison walls with. To, to prevent escape um, and then it's got sort of uh, uh, brought down to, to bird bird meeting time yeah so this is this book is um, Worcestershire Bird and it's basically it's, it's a history book and it spans 1814 to 1922 when 300,000 male and female convicts were locked up in the county and there's tales of more than 2,000 um, prisoners and some obviously met very gruesome ends as was the thing back then um, how did you go about um, researching something like this? A lot of it came from the um books. I only have four books out, um, three on Worcester, on, on Worcester City pubs and also Worcester City Police. So there's a lot of um, spin-off from those. Uh, it, it wasn't really intended. I had, um, while working on Spike 2, which was the city police, uh, I had a huge um, computer crash about 18 months ago and lost uh, really about 15 years' work. Um, and rather than pick up the pieces, I, I sort of went back into what little information I had um, and started from scratch, uh, really going from press reports and also the Hive in Worcester has an awful lot of um, original archive in, uh, data and, and documents there. I mean things like the uh, the Governor's Journal, the actual journal from sort of 1830s you know, is by law it had to keep a daily journal of events in the jail uh, and so going through documents like that which is um, it's just fascinating it's illuminating and, and having been a journalist for 50 years anyway I mean it's uh, you know research and that, that kind of information is, is it comes easy. I, I can't say it's not not pleasurable. Yes, it's in your blood. Also, um, newspapers so important, I guess, for this as well. Absolutely, because the papers uh, really will cover everything. If somebody sort of sneezes in the streets quite often, that, that will be covered in the papers. Um, so clearly when you have um, large things like uh, like executions and, and people... Because, I mean, because executions even in, in um, outside the county jail would often get, um, in the early days, certainly 10,000 um, spectators. They'd be there to watch the actual event. So there was, there was a lot of interest that was going on, and the papers are very thorough. Uh, most, most football clubs would give their right arm for those kind of attendances in the lower leagues. I'm sure they would, yeah. Because, I mean, that's the thing. And there is a bit of an appetite for blue light things. I mean, if you look at our websites now, the top stories every year, apart from snow warnings, because people love them, but apart from snow warnings, it is blue light stuff. And if you flick through your, um, all the millions of channels we've got on our TVs these days, there's uh, police interceptors, there's um, frontline British cops, there's customs and excise programmes. People love that side of life, don't they? Sure, they, uh, they, they do like this kind of thing. I, I do talks as well on um, crime and punishment, um, as well as the pubs as well, because the pubs are also always the centre of um, everything evil, and that's where a lot of the, a lot of the um, uh, court cases emanated from. You know, so so when I do talks about various um, uh, crimes and events, and uh, I find those are the greatest interest. The first four rows are filled with little old ladies who love this, uh, <laughs> the, the Blue Rinse Brigade, who really love the kind of that kind of stuff. And I have a website as well called Worcester Secrets, and when I put um, information on about various uh, 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 various events in the past. Um, usually the greatest response are the sort of, uh, you know, the ladies who say, oh, give me more. Um, but the gory, the better. 
it is. It's curtain-twitching kind of stuff as that, well, isn't it? That's what I just did as soon as you came in. Um, I'm fascinated by all this sort of stuff. Are you from here? Are you from Worcestershire? I'm Worcestershire. So that's, that's why it's close to home? Of course, yeah. 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 I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel qualified to write what's essentially the definitive history books on the city if, if I didn't actually belong there. And a lot of it is from my own personal memory, which does go back a long time. And it's the history element as well, because I visited my first workhouse on the way home from holiday uh, earlier this year, and it was in Nottinghamshire somewhere. And uh, that enthralled me, though, just the way that people would end up there and, 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 and the history of that as well. Yeah. So it's that kind of history thing, how things were done differently then as they are today. And, and that's what it's all based on. If we just, I'm just looking down at some of these. We've got the beauty of, of Worcestershire um, bird, I think, is that whether you're from Bromsgrove, Druitwich, Redditch, Worcester, Evesham, there's going to be people from there who have, you know, who have got people from their towns where, um, you know, who committed crimes and, and were dealt with accordingly. And when we say dealt with accordingly, some of the punishments, I mean, there was a guy executed, I'm just reading here, Jacob Joseph in 1786 for stealing a bag of mail, um, Richard Pittaway um, for burgling St Andrew's home of Elizabeth Harrison, uh, valued at 60. He was executed as well. Um, housebreaking and robbery. I mean, there probably would be some people out there who'd welcome these punishments back, wouldn't they? With the, with the, because of, obviously, they, you know, there's all that these days about um, a soft touch and playstations in prisons and things. There are people out there who would welcome these kind of things, but... Um, I mean, what did you? What were your feelings when you when you started delving into all this? A lot of it. When I had the computer crash eighteen months ago, I lost the backup drive as well, which was um, two terabytes of information. That's uh, two million, million, million bits of information. It makes me want to cry. When oh. I just lose an article, I cry. Sure. Well, it was it was a trying three months, and I th- I thought about murder several times. To be honest. <laughs> and and so the thought occurred to me. I thought, if I'm feeling like this, what would um, the prisoners have gone through anyway? I mean, um, you know, and even the hangmen, because um, the, you know, the hangmen at the time they were almost like celebrities. I mean, they're treated like Robbie Williams. You know, they were mobbed, and, and they, were the, they? They, they were the superstars. Why? Sure. Because because of this interest, I think. In, in, justice, I yeah, you say blue light interest. Yeah. And why were the crimes so harsh? Have we but, just become soft as we come on? Or? I think it's an indication of how soft we've become, yeah. Because, uh, again, when I put something on about a, uh, somebody who's been executed, I get a lot of response people saying, damn right, that, you know, they should bring this thing back. You know, there were, there were lessons, and people were... I think when they did commit a crime, it was either through complete necessity or you were a thorough badon who I, deserved I, all you got. I was yeah. reading about being um, drawn and quartered, um, and I never realised that you were actually cut into four and your head is put on a spike sure. of the town gates. And yeah. it, you can't, I can't believe that human beings would do that to each other, but they did, didn't they? Well, all the executions um, from time immemorial, really, uh, up to about up to 1814, when the Canterbury Jail was built in Castle Street in Worcester, all the executions were at um, Red Hill. And there might have been really, you know, perhaps 200 a year, you know, which is an awful lot. And Red Hill, of course, takes its name from the fact that that's where the gallows was. The um, It's always at the crossroads, and the crossroads between Specialty Road and London Road. Uh, so that's where the, um, the, the gallows were there. And hence, it was red because hence, of the blood? Hence Red Hill. Oh. Well, there was no blood as such, unless they were hung on a quarter. But mm. some were. But I don't think. I mean, I mean that probably that, that probably ended. I think probably about sort of you know 1750s or thereabouts. And were we a particularly bad county? Because reading your book, so many criminals lived here and did awful things here. Yeah. But yeah. always this just throughout the land. 
it's it's pretty bad. But I think if you work out sort of um, per head of population, um, Worcestershire comes out pretty badly. Oh, that's interesting. It really does. <laughs> it's I mean, the quiet ones you got to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the quiet ones you got to watch. Quite right. Well, they don't say much when they're dangling off a rock, do they? They're quiet there. Um, <clears throat> The other thing is, you mentioned hang hang men, or it was probably predominantly men. <laughs> I've got it instilled oh, yeah. a bit of hang people. You probably didn't get so many uh, hang women. Um, but um, I've watched the documentary, uh, not documentary, it's kind of docu-film, um, Peer Points with uh, Timothy Spall. Sure. Um, fantastic, if you haven't seen that. It's um, it's an amazing, I mean, he's a fantastic actor anyway, isn't he? And uh, and that is about the last hangman, isn't it? Um, he wasn't the last hangman. I mean, the, the yeah. last person to be executed was um, 1964. Four, uh, 65 I believe mm. um, the, the last two men to be hanged in, in England mm. um, yeah but um, the, the peer points uh, that, that was Albert peer points Albert in, in peer that point, one yeah. his uncle was um, was one of the hangmen at, at Worcester um, Albert didn't appear at Worcester because Worcester, clo- Worcester jail closed in 1919 mm. um, and so, but Albert sort of appeared on the scene sort of 30s and 40s yeah because he was there at the towards because obviously there was a bit of public backlash wasn't there when, when, when he was going to be outlawed uh, the actual yeah, execution he, um, uh, he actually turned against it after after his, he'd retired but um, but he, he was the man who hanged the last woman in, in, in England that was 
the taste for execution was kind of waning a bit. People were getting a bit, you know, the, the crowds were getting less, people were turning against it. And, um, and, and so transportation was then, um, was, had been an option for 60 years by then. Um, they do reckon that even today, I think um, up to 40% of the population in Western Australia uh, owes, its, um, uh, owes its source to um, the British penal system. Wow. And why, why did the crowds get less? Why did it become less popular? What happened in the human psyche for that to... Yeah, I think there's... A, I think there's um, when people say to me, well, I'd like to have watched um, an execution. Um, I'm, I'm, some days yes, some days no, but it's not a pretty sight. Um, I mean, there was a taste for it, and, and as a, you know, intended as a, as a deterrent against further, further crime. But... Um, I don't know. I think people, do, you know, maybe as it is today. I mean, there's there's, there's not a lot of um, support for it, uh, unless it's certain cases. I mean, like you know, children shooting policemen, this kind of thing. I mean, I, I do believe they should bring it back for things like that. In, in my um, in my younger days, I was at, uh, I worked at a video shop uh, while I was at uni, and um, yeah, there was there was actually a video came out. It's probably still available. It's called Execution, seen it? Yeah. And it was executions from all around the world. It was just a DVD. Of executions that you could just watch back to back. Wow. Yeah. I'm Which is a bit rather horrific. A bit horrific. And yeah, like you say, with the ages, I mean, William Winwood here, yeah, aged 14, obviously, I mean, he said he's charged with the willful murder of his mistress um, and uh, by adding a quantity of arsenic to her breakfast gruel and she died within hours. So he was one of the ones who was, uh, was uh, he was hanged, wasn't he? Um, and so they didn't, it wasn't age discrimination, it was just. Uh, if you did the, if you did the crime, you, you you faced the punishment. No, I think uh, the youngest in Worcester was um, seventeen, and the oldest was um, eighty-four. Wow! To be hanged. And how far have you gone back? What date? What's the earliest? The, the, the early the early days are the old Worcester Castle, which um, really is um, the ridiculous road. I'll rephrase that. Which was. Um, Seventh Street, which is where the King's School is now, opposite the um, Diglas House Hotel. All that complex was the old um, castle, Worcester Castle, um, and it had been a prison from about the 1340s. Wow. So it goes that far back, but not clearly not a vast amount of information. Um, and then there was a huge outcry for uh, a new secure prison, um, and that was opened in 1814 on the on a, on a Virgin site um, on Castle Street, opposite the infirmary. Did we always in Britain have hanging rather than guillotines? and things like the French did? It was always the, the favourite way. The military way was drowning. If you did something wrong, they would drown you. Evesham right. um, um, was the last town um, to burn a woman at the stake. Oh, gosh, yeah, I forgot uh, about that. That's uh, around. Ursula Corbett, yeah, I think 1661, I think it was. That was. She was the last woman to be burned at the stake. Um, there was also things like burning in the hand. Um, what, what's burning in the hand? They would literally brand you. Okay. As a, as a thief. Um, and on the forehead as well, didn't they? I, some of them. I, I, I think I'm sure they must have somewhere. Warwick, Warwick Castle, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. There's always that's what I love when people bring history to life and they say if you were like begging on the street or something, you'd be branded with a V for Vagabond and, 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 and stuff like that. And you just you just can't comprehend You just yeah. mentioned Warwick Castle. I always remember as a kid going and my dad showing me that little, it's a little hole in the ground called the Oublier or something where they put a body of somebody in and just forget about them. Yeah. French for forget or something that has given me nightmares for the last 30 years 
There is an oubliette actually in the um, in the King Charles pub in in Worcester. Oh really? If you go there and ask them to lift the carpet up, and there is um, there is a small cellar there, and people say, "What's it for?" Um, and it was for putting people in. And if they stole a pint beer or something, they'd uh, well, be popped in the oubliette. <laughs> no, well, no, people say that, but King Charles House is probably one of Worcester's newest pubs. It's only been a pub for the last possibly twenty years, if that's I think. Oh, right. um, you know, because people say it's one of the oldest pubs in Worcester. Well, it simply wasn't. It's one of the newest. But if you ask the if you ask the barman there, they will they will lift up the carpet and show you. The so UBA. why did they have it in there? It was an official building back in the day. Well, it was the yeah, King Charles House. It was um, from where King Charles is reputed to have escaped in um, 1651. Right. Um, but it's always been like a, a, a furniture place or, or private dwelling, really, or, or a restaurant until you know it was fairly recently. Um, but just uh, you know, in those days when yes, you could put someone down in a cellar and completely forget about them. How, yeah. That gives me nightmares. It gives me the chills. Now, one of my questions has just been answered here. It says also among the list of prisoners is Bob's own great grandfather, Arthur John Blanford, gaoled for um, a week in June 1902 for creating a ruckus in Dickless Road, Worcester. I was going to ask about because people will find relatives in here by the very nature of probability. If I could say there is um, on if you go onto YouTube, I'm not quite sure of the actual. I can't give you the, the, the physical side, but if, if you go on there and, and just key in Worcestershire Bird, there are two videos, one of which uh, just shows the index to the to the book, which is 18 pages. Um, there are 4,500 prisoners listed, and um, you'd be surprised just how many families. I mean, there'll be very few Worcestershire families won't find relatives in that index. I'm a bit scared to look about mine, <laughs> but amazing. And obviously had a lot of fun putting it all together it must be fascinating going and finding out all these stories and bringing them to life you know so many years later I love it, yeah. have you finished have you completed them all or no no the um spike two is the next one actually it's not i have a i have another book for next year planned but spike two will be um 2021 that's the police um for the second part of the police the wood city police existed 1833 to 67 and um so the first part goes up to 1901, and the second part will be 1901 to 67 when they merge with West Mercia. So um, there is a certain amount of research, but that's a lot of the stuff that I lost. I've almost got to start again on that. Um, but that's no chore. I, I mean, I just I spend days and days. In fact, I spend so much down, time down the high, they're thinking of charging me rent. And do you get to go and look through the, all the old newspapers and things? And all when the newspapers are available, the staff are, are particularly helpful. They're, 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 they're great staff. Uh, the, um, the, all the newspapers are on uh, microfiche, uh, microfilm, 35mm film. And also, um, if you join the, the particular section, you have access to almost unlimited um, information on Augusta. It's fascinating. I mean, th things like, things I've come across, I mean, things like, even for the, for this book, the, the actual, um, uh, the, the Chaplin's um, character reference book. Terrific. I'm sure it's worth a book in its own right. I'm still, I'm still keeping that one around. What's it, what do you mean, what's it about? The, the character reference of all, all the prisoners. Because the, because in, uh, you know, 100 years or 200 years ago, religion really was quite a big part of um, of the whole penal re regime. Uh, and and the, the, the chaplain was almost as important as the governor um, because he had daily access to, to um, the prisoners and particularly those who were, who were condemned to death because they spent almost every day in the run-up. They had to have two weeks in later years, earlier years, you'd be taken away and hung the next day. Um, but, but in later years, there was a bit more compassion, and, and they had two 
or three days or two or three weeks grace. That's a two clear Sundays between um, being found guilty and then and then executed. So during that time, the the, the chaplain would spend much of his time with the condemned man. So he, he would write a character reference about all the prisoners. All the prisoners that were admitted, and, and there might have been sometimes you know twenty or thirty a day. So the constant turnaround as as one cell was, was left, um, it, it was vacated by someone going out to be filled again. Um, and every prisoner that was brought in, uh, and don't forget it was um, male and female up to nineteen sixteen. Um, every prisoner that came in, he had the job of funding at the level of education, um, which often wasn't a great deal, uh, and, and also, um, you know, their, their, their physical condition, if they're um, capable of, of labour and what type of labour, and, um, and also a character reference to, um, to, you know, to what to expect. Would they, do they need extra uh, um, segregation, say? Because there's an awful lot of, um, you know, what they call, you know, what they call nonsense now. And another thing that comes out as well in the book is the... Um, the derivation of certain phrases, we've touched on bird, where bird comes from, but, yeah. uh, but a lot of people don't know. I mean, they, it's called nonsense now, which I always thought was like nonsense, yeah. but it stands for a sign that they will put outside the cell that says, not on normal courtyard exercise. Oh, yeah, so, so the chaplain, in effect, was kind of social worker, doctor, and chaplain, really, because he was making those kind of decisions and putting a good word in with the man upstairs. Oh, sure, that. that's right. I mean, that was the intention. He was the halfway house between... Um, try that again. He was the halfway house between the prisoner and, and where he was eventually going. He wasn't a doctor. There was always a full-time surgeon. Yeah. Um, but, but the chaplain was probably paid half as much again as a surgeon. Um, it shows how important religion was to, you know, to, to the whole prison setup. The other thing is, you mentioned like other books. I've always thought, you know, when judges sum up cases, because they always come up with some fantastic you know, quotes and comments and stuff. And I always thought that'd be, that'd be pretty good to explore. Because there was one, for example, I read in the National News, and it was a guy who had, like, um, a, a glove with knives on, and he'd, he'd, he'd wreak havoc. And I think, I think the judge is summing up comment was, you're going to prison because you're a very dangerous man. And I thought, well, you know, to state the obvious, he's going around with a, with, with a glove with a knife on. Yeah. And uh, that, there's, there's just so much out there, isn't there, if you're prepared to research, which you, obviously, with the love of it. And I'm, me, myself, as well as, as a journalist. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of, it's just fun, isn't it? when you want to cover stuff. Yeah. The, the book as well does include um, a lot of sort of court cases and the reasons why they were there. It goes into yeah. some detail. And the judges themselves, there are, several, there are quite a few judges um, are featured in the book yeah. on their pictures. And, you know, they were, they were really sadistic folk in most cases. Yeah. The other thing is, I suppose, with, the, with your journalistic skills, is uh, I guess with 300,000 male and female convicts and 2,000 in the book, it was, a, was it a case of, oh my life, what, which ones do I leave out rather than which ones the way sure. It, it, it is difficult because there's so much fascinating stuff. Um, the, the book is 516 pages. It's um, it's a quarter of a million words. Um, yeah, you know, so yes, it just goes to show, and, and a, a lot of the, the, the actual stories of two and a half thousand of these prisoners is is um, gone into in the book. Uh, and as you rightly say, it's so difficult to know what to leave in, how deep to go into each one, because you know, so many, especially the executions, are you almost must, with books in their own. You must have a favourite story, though. Uh, Which is your favourite? I'll pick one. Not so much a character, but what does come over is the. Um, the governors as well were some colourful characters in their own right and one of them was actually the great grandson of William IV the governor of Worcester and 
um, a number of the actual um, governors met uh, sometimes not a pleasant end uh, and it gave rise to what they call the curse of Worcester Jail which, um, which still, it still still exists. I mean, don't forget of course a lot of the prison the buildings were still around up to 1985. Um, the the gatehouse was was demolished in the 1920s, but a lot of the buildings were. Yeah, it, recently, 1985, a lot of the um, the, the buildings themselves were. I mean, the, the old wheelhouse, the old um, uh, treadmill house, was, was still around until that was Rackstraws, uh, which was a, a, a you know a furniture makers, and that was uh, demolished two weeks after they left. In I think um, in the summertime, it was August Bank Holiday, uh, 1985. The Guildhall has got prison cells in it as well, hasn't it? The Guildhall the cells there are um, they were holding cells because the up until 1836 all the court cases for the county the capital court cases the crown court cases um, were heard in the guild hall the crown court uh, it's called the courtroom in the guild hall um, and that was the original courtroom um, for all prisoners in the county um, until 1836 so they built the shire hall and, and um, uh, so, so yes, I mean, so, so the actual courtroom is um, it was was the, 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 where the, the councils meet now, um, and it's still open to the public in the guild hall. Uh, but the, so the cells underneath the guild hall were, were holding cells for the uh, so they'd been brought from the either city or the county jail and locked up there until their until their trial was called. Do you cover um, Guy Fawkes and his merry men in the book at all? Because they're all from around here, aren't they? Um, yes, they are. They were. Uh, yes, he is. I mean, Charles Winter, I think his name was. He was hanged at Red Hill. Um, yes, he does have a, a lot of county. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it was hatched in the county. But Charles Winter was was one that's actually hanged, and um, and also um, Blessed Edward Alcorn, which is the um, uh, it gives a name to the school, uh, the Catholic school in Worcester. Um, he was hung there as well, and, and I think he was involved with the Gunpowder Plot as well. I think didn't he harbour one of them? I believe one of them was hidden at Cofton Court, which is yeah. in Ulster. Yeah, and, yeah. sure. There's um, two or three tales yeah. in the county. Yeah, but um, Edward Alcorn, he was. Um, uh, he was hanged at Red Hill, and his body was um, was set fire to because we're going back barbaric time, sort of, you know, 1605, I think, isn't it? Mm. And uh, his, his body was set fire to because, but he was um, he, he was um, uh, the Catholic, the top Catholic uh, priest in the county, and they reckoned his um, his, his his heart um, was still burning 21 days later. So he grabbed hold of the other 
to the chaplain and put, and put the noose around his neck before they managed to stop him. And in, they saved him, though. They, they saved oh him. my goodness! It's one of them jumps that you probably would need a few beers to carry it out. But it's probably one of those jumps that you shouldn't be able a few beers yeah. to carry it out. There's another one as well. You, you, you talked earlier about Pacific. There was a, there was a guy called um, Tarfanged. actually executed um, he, he was hanged uh, and then um, while he'd been hanging there for uh, you know, half an hour somebody um, said well, well we've got the reprieve here from, from London so they gave him a shake and threw some water up and he woke up no oh, Fang Smith Oh my goodness. So that must be the closest call. He woke up, but by then he was actually in the um, infirmary waiting to be dissected, anatomised. Because prisoners, you see, you, you, you know, if you if you were hanged, God didn't want to know, and unless your families claimed the body, um, it could go to the anatomists to be cut up and dissected or buried um, within the grounds within, within the precincts of the of the jail. Ruth Ellis was 55. 55, okay. But, but, but the last people to do, the, the last two men to hang in in, um, in England were, well, one was in Manchester, the other was in Liverpool, and it was, um, I think they actually hanged, either 64 or 65. I think the crime was 64, and they were, they were hanged in 65. The, the, the hanged men were, were recruited from the ordinary population, pretty much, uh, anybody who'd do it for beer money. Um, and, and it was not scientific. It was, um, you, you know, if you got the, 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 the length of the rope wrong, you would either... Obviously, uh, for bringing capital punishment back, 
uh, is that you know it acts as deterrent, whereas it clearly didn't act as that much of a deterrent. Because I suppose there's still there's still the feeling there that if you're committing a crime, you still don't think that you're going to get caught, do you? So bringing it, it will act as a deterrent, I suppose, to some people, but to others, it'll just be like you know you take your risks, you take your chances, and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think as a deterrent, they always have the time that you know we're not quite sure it is a deterrent. I think if you did these days, I, I, I think for certain crimes, I think it should be. But also, you know, you look at the methods of the police as well, because towns were much smaller. Um, you didn't have um, traffic problems. You didn't have drugs issues. No. You know, they, they, you know, when people committed crime, they they were um, either due through necessity or or just thought of balance, you know. Um, but there's an awful lot as well that you think of, of, of the women, an awful lot of um, uh, concealment of birth, uh, you know, um, the women who are illegitimate children. I mean, there's all sorts of tales where they, you know, the, you know, it's it's heartbreaking, really. I mean, you know, disrobe children into, you know, down, down a well, or um, I mean, uh, uh, Tommy Wire was was a man who uh, in 1888 he was from Kidderminster, who, who because his four four and a half year old son, little Jimmy, um, was kind of in the way. He, he just literally threw him down a well, 65 feet. Oh my goodness! Uh, the things you could you could barely visualise, but it was not uncommon. I mean, they're forever fishing babies out of the seven in Worcester. Yeah, gory, I know, and not a pleasant subject, but it, it was it was largely every day. And you've got a talk coming up, haven't you, Bob, about um, plaster heads. Tell us about the plaster heads. That's right. There is a talk next Thursday, which is December the 5th, at the um, George Marshall Medical Museum, which is on the, um, the Royal Infirmary uh, site at Worcester. And um, it's kind of jokingly called Heads and Tails. Uh, and it involves um, a number of... Um, plaster casts, they're effectively the death masks of what were always assumed or, or later assumed to be um, the actual heads of some of the executed um, uh, people. They, they weren't all murderers um, at Worcester Jail. What, what happened was, when, when a man was executed and they were all male, they were all men executed at Worcester, no women were executed, they were a bit scared of that, all children. Uh, the youngest was 17. Um, but the... Um, uh, where, where a body had not been claimed um, by the family for burial, um, it, it was trundled under a passageway under Castle Street to the, the infirmary across the road um, for dissection by surgeons and students because uh, because the regulations were you couldn't just cut up any body and you couldn't donate your body to uh, uh, to science but when you're executed you've given up every right to do anything and, and so um, many of these 38 that were executed at Worcester were trundled into the, the infirmary for, for dissection and also because there was a pseudoscience at the time called which was phrenology um, where uh, so-called experts would um, they, they would shave the head and the whiskers and things and feel the bumps on, on the on the the thinking being that whichever parts of the brain shows a bit more prominence, that's where your strengths lie, uh, and it's called phrenology. It's it's um, it, it was condemned for a while, but I was told the other day, in fact, that it's um, it's becoming more into into fashion, and um, so these are the heads of. Uh, at, at the infirmary on permanent display it's what they call the murderer's gallery and they have um, the, the what were assumed to be the actual murderer's death masks and so several of those will be brought down and through the research on the um, uh, Forstershire bird um, I, I've been able to 
Um, guess, uh, an educated guess. I, I can't claim any more than that. Uh, but from the description, the contemporary descriptions can, can apply them to these actual heads and so thereby put a face to a name. Uh, and, and also, um, the, the part of that talk will be uh, by um, a phrenology expert and plaster cast expert. So she, she, has, she has a part of that talk. Uh, and then I'll be talking about these actual heads. Uh, and that's at the uh, George Marshall Medical Museum next Thursday. December the 7th at 7 o'clock. Um, it's in the uh, lecture theatre. Did you say, sorry, December the 5th, you said, didn't you? December the 5th? It's on December the 5th. December the 5th, yeah. December the 5th, next Thursday. December the 5th, it's 180 seats. We, I can't reserve places. Um, I, I would have liked to, but I'm told it's, it's not possible. So, um, But the museum itself, which is a fascinating build, a fascinating uh, facility in its own right, will be open much of the day. So get, if you get there early, take in the museum and, and um, uh, do come to talk. It would be absolutely fascinating, you know, because the some of the Ed's heads are actually here um, will be available they're, they're, they're quite fragile um, so, so you can't touch them but you, actually, but you can see all the details of these guys I mean whiskers, you know um, eyebrows, eyelashes and, and, and you know and also if you want to look murderers in the face because not everybody got that yeah. opportunity I mean it, it's an ideal chance to do that and to hear some, just some of the tales I'm limited to about an hour yeah. which, which to me is going to be difficult um, but also in the same, in the same guise um, if you've been listening to Barbara and reading the stories you'll be able to put a face to an yeah, yeah. As long as they make a plaster cast of mine. Yeah. So you wouldn't need it these days, all that facial recognition of. But, but uh, the, the book will be there, will be there for on, yeah. on sale as well. And uh, but no, that, that'll be fascinating. And I, I can see that one becoming a, a fairly regular feature because we're limited at this time. But um, it, it really is. Um, it, 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 there'll be some interesting stuff come out of that one for sure. So that's seven thirty, December the fifth, at the George Marshall Medical Museum. That's the scale of the, of, of the crime. We're so lucky to live now, aren't we? Yeah, I think we could speak to Bob all day. Uh, 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 Bob, I I'm not sure if you want to tune in for a 12 hour podcast. Can, can we have so, a podcast every week yeah. with you, please? <laughs> But we could, uh, we, what we could do is we could take modern day convictions and put them to Bob and say what would have happened to them. Like, yeah. And by the sounds of it, every single one would be executed uh, due, due by this. Um, well, so just remind us about. I think if you laid back with the library books, that should be hanging. Uh, you know. Yeah, that, that would be these. I'm one of the biggest ones as well, because I went about all Worcester pubs. I think anybody who changes the name of Worcester pub is another one that should be taken out and strung up. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Thank, thank goodness you're not in charge, Bob. <laughs> We'd all be in prison. I think I'll make a good Ayatollah. <laughs> We'll leave it to the listeners to decide, shall we? It looks a fantastic. It looks a fantastic book. It's it's huge. It's uh, got a real weight to it. So it's twenty two pounds. I'm not sure I'd shorter words next time. <laughs> twenty two pounds. Make a great Christmas present, wouldn't it, for anyone in Worcestershire? Yeah, quite, quite by chance, it's released two weeks, three weeks before Christmas. That's yeah. just what you want to be reading on Christmas Day, isn't it? <laughs> Stories about people hanging. Well, well, I, I will say, I mean, every Christmas, I, I get um, I get a number of angry fe- well, a, a number of angry emails and notes from uh, you know from miff wives saying thanks for ruining Christmas. I bought him your book. He hasn't spoke to me for four days. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till the turkeys come down before you start turning the pages. I'd say. So just remind us where it's available from. It's available at, um, at Borderstones in Redditch and in Worcester, uh, Worcester Tourist Information Centre. It will be on um, Amazon in due course. It literally was released. Picked them up yesterday, so but but also um, d- direct uh, 
from me, which is because um, I'm also a publisher, which is uh, so it's Bob at um, and, and, and the words are hyphenated uh, the whole WHOLE uh, picture publishing company dot co dot uk. Well, what we'll do is we'll get all that on the website anyway, so people yeah. can. Uh, yeah. Could, could I say as well? But there's, yeah. there's um, all all directory webs uh, the um, Facebook pages. Um, there's uh, Bob back and forth. That's that's my sort of nom de plume, as it were. Yeah. Um, Bob back and forth. Booster pubs. Yeah. Then and now. Or um, one that I set up literally about three and a half months ago, and now has nearly uh, has about four thousand two hundred members in a very short time. It's called Bob Back and Forth's Worcester Secrets, and uh, there's all sorts of um, amazing stuff on there, and it's just had, it's just taken off amazingly. I'm staggered. Um, so uh, so I'm reachable through those. Amazing. Okay. You're, you must be amazing to have at a dinner party, Bob. I bet you could just keep everyone amused for hours and hours. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio today with great us. Pleasure. It's been great Telling to us all about it. And Tris, we, we need to go through this, don't we? And we do. pick up some of these stories and find out more. Yeah, so that'll be in the, in the papers this week. Um, it was, I think it was covered in the Reddish one last week as well. Sure. Sure. Um, we'll have it online as well. So there'll be absolutely no excuse. Perfect. So I'm not sure it's a stocking filler. It's a 519 page. It'll be bigger for that. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you want a Worcestershire bird you can find out all the details on our websites and in the paper fantastic thank you Bob thanks for joining us thank you don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with all the biggest news stories from across Worcester and Malvern you're listening to the Worcester Observer podcast because you have impeccable taste let's have a look at some other Worcester and Malvern news now uh, the Mayor of Worcester has launched an impassioned plea to remember the lives of Indian, Pakistani and other Commonwealth soldiers who died during the two world wars with a wreath in their memory, uh, with wreath lane in their memory. Um, speaking to the Observer this week, uh, Councillor Aladitta called for the sacrifice of such soldiers to be remembered at future remembrance commemorations um, to let their ancestors in the community know and their brave actions were honoured. You can read more about that on the website and in on the front page of the paper this week. There's been a plea as well, a rallying calls gone out to those uh, who want to work on the four new festivals which are coming to Worcester next year. Um, the Archie's Worcester Festival team are looking for volunteers to help bring the city's four brand new festivals to life in 2020. So they take place um, during the course of the year. Um, and uh, there's some other... Um, Last, um, there's programs of entertainment there's uh, all sorts of things there um, so if you want to find out more you can go to sevenarts.org.uk forward slash volunteer for uh, the festivals 01905 953 832 for more information on that and it's all this story will be on the website and in the paper this week so you can catch up there um, in Malvern, campaigners are taking the wraps off plans for a new homeless day centre in the town after fundraisers successfully reached their £25,000 target. So well done to them. The Mags Day Centre Malvern will open in the new year at the Salvation Army on Newtown Road and plans go on show next Friday, uh, December the 6th from 10 till midday. It's a special, a special open morning. Uh, Malvern Cares, made up of charities, residents and councillors, including the Malvern Hills Food Bank, Churches Together in Malvern, the Salvation Army, the Lifts and Well, is working with Mag's Day Centre, which already has um, a place in Worcester. So um, that's next week. That's front page of Malvern and on the Malvern website. And also my quirky story of the week. Claire, let's bring you in for this. Did you like science at school? Did you? Well, get a load of this. A team of young scientists from Malvern College 
um, they're hoping to have set a new world record. And what they did was, the winning team is Clemens Tuxa, um, Girathme um, Baldata, uh, known as Jono, and Max Dean and Arat Daga. Um, they were tasked with the um, having the periodic table elements on cards, all shuffled up, and then they had to get them out and lay them out in exactly the way the periodic table is done. The current record is 3 minutes 15 to do all that. And they did it in 2 minutes 33. So if it goes through, which we're hoping it does, fingers crossed for them, it's the video of, the, of their attempt has been submitted to the Guinness World Records adjudicators, and we're just waiting to find out if they've got that. But they'll have shaved like 42 seconds off. But they learnt all 118 elements. I was about to say, I was going to tell you. Yeah, 118 elements. And the good thing is, as well, um, this year marks the 150th anniversary of um, Medelieve's periodic table. They do keep occasionally finding new elements, don't they? They do. It's the sort of thing that would probably keep going on, but it's fascinating. It's something we're tasked with in journalism. We always have to find new new elements to our job. So there we go. So thanks for listening um, to Worcester and um, Orphan Podcast. There's loads more on our websites and in our papers. Remember, if you want to get in touch with the programme, um, then you can do. It's editor at worcesterobserver.co.uk, editor at morvanobserver.co.uk. There's updates on the websites. And we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those other platforms that you love to go on as well. All that's left to say is thanks again to the marvellous Bob Blamford for joining us. And, um, and we'll be back at the same time next week. So have a good week. Yeah.